0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Life in the Fast Lane. I'm your host, Nick Carlson, the CEO and founder of Dawson Manufacturing. Uh, I've got my co-host, Mr. Kyle Parks, my CTO, the Chief Talking Officer. Uh, how you doing th- this morning, buddy? I'm good. It was an action-packed weekend. Started with a birthday party, and then it went
1: to running errands all over Timbuktu, and and then i top it off with a wedding, so wow. I didn't drink too much. I only good. had a beer. Good. Um, and then okay. ended up having way too much olive Garden. <laughs> so I
0: am... I'm, I'm stuffed. Awesome. Well, I have, <clears throat> excuse me. I have an incredible guest. This gentleman has got credentials out the ass. Yes. he is an industry leader, a titan at what he does. He he takes no bullshit from anybody, and he is just he's a leader. My he's, kind of guy. He's a definition of a leader. Uh, I guess without further ado, we're going to introduce him. His name is Corey Ballard, and we are very excited to have you on, sir.
2: How are you? Doing good, guys. I appreciate being on and uh, appreciate the kind words. I don't know if it's all exactly true, but we, we certainly appreciate it and try to do our best over here. That's so humble. Yes. So
0: freaking humble. He's he's got, he's got some experience at this, apparently. <laughs> well, Corey, man, thanks for being on with us. Uh, I know your time is precious, and uh, you were one of the top picks that we had to have on here because I think you and I probably um, share a lot of the same um, attributes, characteristics. I, I don't know. Maybe that's uh, – Maybe I'm thinking too highly of myself actually. I don't know why week.
1: I just thought of like you two as like an m m a like fight out match like their fists in the face <laughs> just two seconds ago like just, let's go you toe for toe for credentials let's let's do right. this We're he's not got fighting. way more muscle than I do <laughs> well,
2: I think there's weight classes for a reason I think I'm outsized boys but <laughs> well, at this point I'm like all right let's do credentials not fighting right 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 <laughs> okay okay there we go <laughs> I like my i li- I don't mind that yeah i'm 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 getting a little too old people are like hey, I mean, I, I'm almost, you know I'm 48 years old, and it's kind of funny. People are like, "How much do you bench?" And I'm, I'm like, "Listen, boys, I'm 48. Um, I'm not that tough anymore. It's all for show, right?" <laughs> it's I'm, All for show. I am totally
0: with you. Well, you I mean, you're doing a great job of keeping yourself in shape, and it's obvious when you're doing all your videos. It's it's you are an impressive person, and that takes you know. It's not the muscles for me; it's the dedication that you have to to hold on to what you've got and you know maintain it. That's tough to hold that momentum. So yeah. big time kudos yeah, to you. That. It's, yeah, it's, I Appreciate it's a, that. It's it's and
2: the key to it. I just said, the key to it, you know, a lot of guys, you know, for me, it's just consistency, whatever you want to do in life, um, whether it's be a great dad, be a great husband, be a great business leader, be in good shape, whatever, financial responsibility is just consistency. You know, I just find that, you know, so many people want to get in shape in a week, they want to get rich in a week, they want, you know, they want these quick results. And the only thing I've ever learned is, man, you've got to do it consistently. And you know, that, that fitness side for me um, is just part of my routine. It's just, it's what I've done for 25 or 30 years straight. It's part of my daily routine. And I just make it a habit. And um, there's no magic sauce. There's no tricks to it. It's just consistency and trying to, you know, trying to always be my best and and be healthy. And, and, you know, so I can stay around and, and, you know, do this as long as I can. I I tell my kids jokingly that I'm going to live to be 120. So they better, (laughs) you know, I I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke. I, I just try to be healthy as I can be. I'm a little stressed out at times, but I've done a much better job managing that over the last few years and, and really, you know, kind of reprioritizing what's really important. And so, yeah, I appreciate that. I just, I just try to stay super consistent in everything I do and, and uh, that usually, uh, you know, if you stay consistent, put the work in day in, you know, day in and day out, um, the results start to take care of themselves.
0: Absolutely. So real quick for everybody, give me like a, a two-minute rundown on, on who Corey Ballard is, a real quick credentials list. Um, could be personal, could be business-wise, just so people that may not know you, you know, g- give them an idea who you are and, and kind of where you stand today.
2: Yeah. So uh, Corey Ballard, I'm I was um, from Des Moines, Iowa, or Ankeny, Iowa, suburb of Des Moines, and um, you know, I started a lawn care company, a small lawn care company, just cutting grass like a lot of guys do when I was fourteen, pulling a push mower and knocking on doors and you know, built up a really nice company here. Um, you know, we ended up ultimately having um three locations with just shy of two hundred employees. It's called Perfect Cut Site Management. and um, we've got a location in Des Moines, Cedar Rapids and Omaha, Nebraska. And I uh, just built a great team, had a great business partner along the way and um full service we do all all the different services primarily commercial um, but uh, and then we sold in 2021 to a national company which was something I really wasn't looking to do I wasn't trying to sell the company by any means and um, it just it made sense and uh, I love their core values that matched our core values to take care of our people first and and uh, customers and um, so we sold and I'm still on the strategy team with with that company It's it's a national company that owns a bunch of really good companies throughout the U S. And, and what I really liked about their model is they don't change anything. So Perfect Cuts still the exact same company, same core values, same truck color, same uniforms, same everything. And, um, and so I like that, you know, they, the people that, that run that company were a, a part of a lot of the mergers and acquisitions that failed in the early two thousands where they would go in and buy a company and change the name and change the company culture and change the color of the trucks. And, and that failed. So these guys, their model is really nice and, and so, um, you know, in 2017, I, I really started focusing on the Ballard side of business, which is our product line, and, and I've had that business since um, and I incorporated that in 1999. And I think a lot of people think that Ballard just started up maybe five or six years ago, and, and that's part partially with the social media when you get all the exposure. But we had that business for many years, and, and kind of just created some products that uh, we used every day in our business. And as we used them in our company, we thought, you know, shit, maybe god if if this works so well in our company other guys could benefit from this and so for many years it was a hobby I had one sales guy and one part-time warehouse guy and we just toyed with it and in 2017 I was uh, either going to shut it down or I was going to focus on it and uh, luckily I made the decision um, that I go hey you know I think we got something really cool here and I think we could we could do something pretty special in the industry and the industry's growing social media is certainly you know going crazy and I think we can get our name out there. I can get these products in front of people, and so for the last five or six years, I've really focused on the Ballard um, product side, and uh, we built a nice, nice team here, and continue to grow that operation. We've got a ton of new products in the works, and and so that's been fun for me. I always, I'm the kind of guy that really likes the challenge. Um, it's not necessarily about the, the financial piece of it. It's it's trying to come up with great products and and see if they'll help our industry and. And then of course you got to sell them, which is, is, is the payoff. But, um, so that's been really fun for me. And, and I've built a great team here of, of people that trust me. And, um, you know, I'm, I communicate really well with what our goals are and who we are and what we're trying to be. And, um, we're building a new 26,000 square foot office warehouse currently. And that's going to really allow us the opportunity to, to expand and, um, and bring on some more products. So we're excited about that. And, um, married, I have three, three kids and, um, my wife works part-time in here with me as well. And, and uh, yeah, so we're having a lot of fun and and I'm in a really good spot personally and professionally. And uh, you know, now we just, we focus on trying to to be good leaders and give back to our community and, and uh, you know, focus on uh, just being, being of service when I can. That's awesome, man. Um, So I have a quick question. If you wouldn't
1: mind touching on some of the things with the sale of the company, what do you think kind of, Helped you get to the point of sale. I mean, I know a lot of people say the collection of data, but um, what was it that kind of said? Okay, this is this is the thing we're going
2: to go through with. Well, you know, first off, you have to build a company that's sellable, and you have to build a company that that runs without you, and and you have to build great systems and um, processes in place that you know because when somebody wants to buy a company, whether it's a small company or big company, they you know, if you're the owner and they're doing business only with Corey Ballard or, or with Kyle or with Nick, I mean, and you're not there, what does that look like? And so we built a really good company where they were doing business with Perfect Cut and and not Corey and Matt. And, and, um, so, you know, it was, uh, you know, many years, it took us a long time to get to that point of where we were really running a good professional operation and we screwed a lot of things up along the way. But, um, you know, when they, when they looked at our company, um, they really wanted to be in the Des Moines market. They liked that we had some satellite branches. So we were kind of spread out in, you know, three different demographic areas. And, um, you know, it, and we ran things, we ran things right. And I tell guys this all the time, you know, I had a great CFO maybe seven or eight years ago that um, came in and really cleaned things up for us. I mean, there were times when we were running our personal expenses through the business and the books probably weren't near as clean as they should have been. And, and you can't sell a company that, you know, your numbers aren't accurate, where, you know, you say, well, I know, but we actually make more money than that, because, you know, my personal vacations, and my Corvette, and my boat, my RV, you know, they're in there, too, and if you take those out, and so we did a really good job of running it professionally, and running it as a high-level company, and and we did that, you know, even before we were big, I always said I wanted to look bigger, and feel bigger than what we were, and so we really just focused on on building a great culture, and having great people, and I think one of the things that I've done really well along the way is is I just try to hire people that are better than me, smarter than me, um, dedicated to the, to the overall company and performance of the company. And then I just get out of the way. I mean, I think a lot of business owners um, it's fear and they're scared and and they, they think they won't do it as good as them. And um, I'm good at recognizing, I know what I'm good at. And then I try to hire people around me that are really good at the things I'm not good at. And then I just get the heck out of the way. And, And let them be, let them do their job. And uh, when you do that, a lot of times you'll see that you can perform at a higher level. So, you know, again, we weren't for sale. It it just started making financial sense, and um, and it took some risk off the table, and um, and so it just made a lot of sense. But you got to build a company that that has, you know, um, great relationships with clients, and and you know, what's your retention rate on customers, and what's your retention rate on your employees, and what kind of culture do you really run? and do you have a job or do you have a company? And and there's a big difference. And and so I don't know if that answers your question exactly, but um, you know, we just wanted to build something that was really special. And um, and you know, it's a great place to be in when you're not for sale because you can negotiate a little bit better. Because we didn't have to sell. It wasn't like I was 65 and I was trying to retire and I was like, God, I got to get out of this thing. Yeah. Um. So we were in a, we were in a great position to, um, you know, it's like, if you guys want this, it's going to cost you because we we don't have to sell. And I wasn't running the day to day anyways. So it was a tough decision. Um, but as we met with him over and over, the number one thing Matt and I talked to them about was we got to take care of our people. Like you've got to promise us. We take care of our people. Like nobody loses their job. Nobody gets compensated less than they got before. What are your bonus structures? What are your payment systems? What does your 401k look like? What's your health care look like? What, how do we make this fail a benefit to our customers and to our employees first and foremost, you know. And it wasn't about just oh, how much money do we get? It was you got to promise us that we have contracts in place for all of our best people. And and we even asked our best people. We took our top five people to to several lunches and walked them through it. And if they would have said, "Guys, we're not comfortable with this," I'm not sure we would have sold. So we needed everybody on board. That's actually really cool. So I know Nick is really big into
1: painting the picture. Um, so what were some of the things you did to paint that picture? What was the picture for you? I mean, when it came to the sale, just out of curiosity, if you don't mind sharing.
2: Yeah. I mean, it was scary. I can tell you that. I mean, um, and I've probably said this on a few podcasts and, you know, the day we sold and, you know, the money went in my account, which kind of looked cool for a minute, but the money never really was the the driving force. You know, I sat in my truck and cried. I, I sat in my truck and cried. I mean, that day. I saw like 25 perfect cut trucks. I could not get away from blue trucks. They, they, yeah. Like I could, that had to be the record amount of blue trucks I saw in a day in my life. And, and I, I was actually at the gym. I sat out in the parking lot and I just sat there and cried. My wife's like, Hey, do you want to go out to eat? Do you want to celebrate? And I said, no, babe, I actually don't. I'm just going to come home and uh, let's just order a pizza. And it was just kind of a really weird feeling, um, you know, cause it was my lack of a better term. It was my baby. I started it from scratch and, And uh, so, you know, but I wanted to to paint the picture to our team that this is going to allow us to get to the next level. It's going to allow you guys as managers and field employees and foremen to grow even more. There's going to be opportunity within the company. Um, And since they bought us, we've acquired, we Perfect Cut has acquired another really nice company over in Cedar Rapids with about 55 employees. Um, So it allowed I said, we're going to have opportunity to grow and give you guys a lot of upward mobility. Um, you know, cause sometimes you get to a point where you have all these great people and really there's nowhere for them to go unless you're growing. And they're just that we have some people that like, man, I, I'd love to make you an account manager, but just don't have any room for you right now. And, and then you start to lose some of your best people. So we looked at it and sold it as an opportunity for all of our people to level up and uh, take this thing to the next level, and um, we've got some pretty lofty goals for Perfect Cut. I'm still involved, like I said. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. Um, and I and I rolled some, you know, I rolled some stock into the parent company, so I've still got some skin in the game. And and you know, for me, it was super important that the legacy of Perfect Cut continue on. I I would hate to look back, you know, in five or ten years and see the company not be what it once was, and see you know beat up trucks or poor quality work or people not carrying out the core values that were so important to us. So um, that was a big part of our due diligence was, you know, they wanted to spend a lot of time talking about customers and dollars. And we wanted to spend a bunch of time talking about core values and, and, and our employees. And so um, that was what was important for us. So it was just painting a picture of, you know, opportunity for our people.
0: That i tell you what, Corey, that's, that's amazing. And that's something we touched on. I think, a couple episodes ago that we haven't released yet was, you know, focusing on your people and the culture of the whole deal. When I sold my company in 2017, my landscape company, it was nowhere near the size of yours. Um, so, you know, great job for for accomplishing what you did. Um, I think I did a hell of a job to myself, but nowhere near on the level you did. Um, but when I when I sold my company to the the firm that I am selling to, <clears throat> I told them I will not sell this to you unless my team has a a structure built in to where they're going to see pay raises. They're going to have all the different things lined up for the next five years. And so we had we had sat down and structured every person's pay structure and all their benefits and everything that they were going to get along the way just to put them at ease. So they knew that the transition was not just about money for me, but you know, leveling their game up even more because the company that bought me out was this huge firm out of DC and they were able to sustain what I had, keep the people in place and, and then continually grow it and move it forward. So great job for, for doing what you did. I think you made a, a great um, decision and focusing on your people. That's, that's
2: amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, one, one, more, one thing Nick. I'll just say real quick, one of the things that on our, on our podcast, the green grind, a um, little shameless plug there, but <laughs> all the people we've had on that's been super successful, we've had some people on that have had huge companies and every single one of them that we've had on, all they talk about is their people. Those successful ones just talk about people. They don't talk about, you know, F-350s and jacked-up Chevys and Dodge pickups and cool mowers and skid loaders and, you know, Multimates. They talk about my people, and that's what I love. I, I think most successful people really focus on their people. Um, the equipment's cool, right? And, and having great customers super important, but they all the, – common thread that we keep getting when we have successful business owners on is they all talk about their people they never talk about money it's crazy they never talk about money yep they always talk about people and that's that's the common thread that i've noticed with successful business owners well and the reason i believe that is Corey is that it's because
0: any yahoo can go out there and buy a truck or a mower or a mulch mate or a powder coating booth or a building you know all that's just a stroke of a pen away and getting a loan Any Yahoo can do that. But to put together a team, I can't buy my team. I can't buy the culture. That is something that I have to cultivate and nurture and move along and paint pictures and repaint pictures and, you know, lay out a a hell of a roadmap in front of all of us, not just me, but my entire team for what it looks like for them, what it looks like for the company and so on and so forth and try to, you know, not be a, a, a fortune teller, future teller, whatever you want to call it, but, you know. Try to show what it's going to be like that way. It's kind of like, I I always use this analogy, pushing a car. If I tried to push a car by myself, granted, yeah, I'm a big guy and I can probably get it to move, but it's going to be a hell of a lot easier and a lot better and faster if my entire team's pushing all at the exact same time. Hence what we did with the saline. Yeah. When we, so Corey, we, we picked up a saline Mustang for me from a buddy of mine. Um, he actually committed suicide 10 years ago. So anybody that struggles with the suicidal thoughts call nine, eight, eight, that's a big one for me, Corey, um, you know, th- there's a lot of people out there that have a lot of uh, mental frustrations. I've been one of them in the past. My buddy, I lost my best friend to it. Um, so we always put that at almost every episode just cause I think it's a, b- a great cause. Um, but yeah, I don't know if you know that call 988. That's, it's amazing. Somebody's there to talk to you. So, um, either way. So one of the first questions, we haven't even got to the list we've got here, Corey, but, uh, and we're gonna try to keep this thing under an hour, um, if that's okay with you, but it's uh, one of the first things I wanted to, to jump into, um, your driving force, man. Like, I can tell you my driving force has always been I came from nothing, like literally homelessness, and I'm scared to death of it, and I'm scared to to ever see anybody go through it, and it's terrible. Um, you know, what was your driving force? You know, you started at 14 years old, and you kept fighting, and, you know, you start a new business, and I know the, the story of you and your wife were just fighting and grinding and fighting and grinding through that, and one day it's like you looked at each other and you went like, is this actually worth it, right? So through all that, what was the thing that kept Corey – so freaking
2: driven? Well, you know, fear, I think a lot, you know, in this, you know, in the very beginning, um, you know, I've told this story a million times, but the short version is, you know, I had a teacher my junior year in high school that just said, you know, Corey, if you don't pay attention in class, you know, you're going to be mowing yards your entire life. And, and cause I was kind of a class clown and I'm chasing girls and kind of dicking around like, like normal cause school was not something I was very strong at. Um, I didn't put any work in. It was just a social experiment for me. And, uh, you know, and and so I always had this chip on my shoulder that, you know, I could, I wanted to make it. And, and I remember I had this high school sweetheart and she went off to, she went off to college and all of her friends were kind of making fun of me. Like, you know, you're dating this guy and he mows yards. And, and so I always had this, you know, fear and I wanted to make it. I just wanted to make it. And, and like you, I didn't, we weren't homeless, but we certainly didn't have um, any money, you know, I had to lived in the single white trailer. And, and my dad was a factory worker and, um, you know, worked at Firestone Building Tires. And my mom had an entrepreneur, you know, she, she had a bar she owned and then eventually started a nice uh, a sanitation company that ended up growing really nice and sold. But I was a little bit older then and and she ended up making some pretty good money doing that. But, you know, I think a big part was maybe ego and pride, which isn't always the right driving force, but I wanted to be successful so much so bad. And I wanted people to think I was successful. And I think that is one of the things that when I was younger, really hurt me. I wanted to look successful before I really was. I wanted you to think I was important. I wanted you to think I was successful. I wanted to buy the the Rolex. So you thought I was important or you thought I made it. And all the things that today don't matter to me. But back then I thought that if I had the fancy car or the nice house or the fancy watch that you thought I made it. Um, And so, you know, for me, you know, it was always just trying to prove that I could do it, that I, that I, you know, that I could make it. And, you know, so, and I knew I wasn't the smartest guy out there by any means, but what I always said is I'm just going to outwork you. And, you know, before we went live on this, we just talked a little bit about consistency. And, you know, my deal was, I just knew that I would just outwork everybody when they, when they aren't in there on Saturday and when they're not in there on Sunday. And if I am, I'm just making baby steps ahead of you. Every single time I work a little bit longer, a little bit harder, the days that I don't want to do something, I do it anyways. And I just, so I just kept putting the work in and I'm not telling people you should work Saturdays and Sundays, but sometimes when you're starting a business, and you're in the grind, you've just got to freaking work and you just got to work really, really hard. And, and, um, you know, I didn't know my numbers. I didn't have great software. We had archaic systems in place. Um, you know, so I just, I just wasn't afraid to work. I tried to surround myself with people that weren't afraid to work. Um, and I, I was a really, you know, as Matt says, he goes, you just were a really motivational guy. He goes, You just, everybody wanted to work really hard for you. And because cause I was working side by side with them just as hard. I wasn't driving around in a fancy truck telling people what to do. Like when people came to me like, you don't know what it's like out there. I'm like, no, no, I do know what it's like. I did it. Like I I mowed, you know, and I, I put in landscape and I've done the jobs that I've asked, you know, I'm asking you guys to do. So, you know, it was, it was just driven by fear still. today I have fear, you know, I still some days think I could wake up and be broke tomorrow. I don't know why it's kind of a good, healthy fear, maybe, um, you know, but um, as I've gotten a little bit older here and, and maybe partially grown up, kind of grown up, um, <laughs> i still a big kid, but you know, I, my, certainly my priorities have changed and I don't feel like I have the need to prove things to people, but I'm a competitive guy and I, and I wanted to win and we were driven by win and, and, um, and so I don't know if that answers your question, Nick. I just think that, you know, I just wanted to, I wanted to do something different. I wanted to change the legacy in my family. I wanted to provide for my children. Um, and I wanted to have freedom. People talk about money. I work for freedom. I work for the, so I can do what I want to do. The money certainly is nice. But people think that if I just had more money, my life would be better. That's not true. You know, I've been, I've been poor. I've had a lot of money. I've had no money money is certainly better. I'm not going to say it's not, but if you think money's going to fix your problem, it's not, you know, that some of those things are, they got to be fixed inside. And, and, uh, you know, so what I learned is, you know, I just wanted to be a leader and and the more I pour into other people, the more, the more they pour into me. And again, and, you know, giving people great opportunities and, um, I'm super transparent in all of our companies. I'm very transparent of what we're doing. I show financials. Because I think also people think that you're making way more money than you are. And I want to show them that, you know, every little detail matters, guys. And we break equipment or we don't maintain equipment or we we take long lunch breaks or we have to go back to job sites over and over or whatever that thing. We ship the wrong product, you know, whatever it is that all those little things add up. You know, even at Ballard, we have our Tuesday meeting and we show them every week what our shipping errors are. And, and, you know, if it costs us, we'll show them every week. You know, guys, we made $1,100 in errors this week you guys want raises, right? I can give raises when we, when we get our shipping perfect, like when we ship people the wrong products. And so I'm super transparent of what we're trying to do as a company and, um, you know, and and trying to get everybody to believe in the same thing that I believe in. If you can get everybody that, that, if you can get the buy and make, you know, you guys talk about, you know, everyone's gotta be pushing that car, right? We gotta be rolling that boat in the same direction, man. You get one guy going backwards it'll, uh, it can, it can get you spending in a, in a you know, in, in the wrong direction quick. Yeah. So, uh, one
1: thing I know Nick always says, and I'll let him take over in a second, um, is money affords you opportunity. It's not that it gives you everything, but it gives you the opportunity to get what you need, or I'm going to say what you want. Um, especially cause you were saying, um, you've been to the point where you, you want the nice truck, you want this and want that. And I'll be honest, I've said in multiple episodes is that that's, that's one of the things that kind of messed me up in my company when I was trying to grow it was I was following all the shiny things. Um, and then yep. I ended up having a kid and I'm like, you know, I, this is going to be stressful. And I, I do appreciate the opportunity of being able to come here and work at Dawson. And honestly, the, the more I've been working here, the the more I found the opportunity, the thing that actually is what makes me happy is being able to commit to a larger cause. And with that affords bigger opportunities for the company as well as myself, but it's going to be the company first because it's going to be what drives everything forward. So with that, I'll let Nick take over, Absolutely. but I, I really do like that.
0: Yeah. Everything you, you said, Corey, I I've lived. It's amazing. <clears throat> so I have this, this big issue, Corey, that, that some days I feel like I'm a complete psycho because I'm like, there's no way that anybody else there out there feels and has been through what I've been through, and you've literally ticked off or checked off every box almost in that last little three minutes that you just talked about what you feel. And, you know, for instance, I, I remember you talked about, you know, what other people think. I used to have that feeling, and I'll give you a great friends. I used to drive through this Chick-fil-A uh, drive-through all the time. Now, I don't eat, I don't eat uh, fast foods, like, anymore. I've lost 100 pounds and blah, blah, blah. But I used to go through there, and there was this one chick that I used to go to high school with that I had no interest in, whatever, but – I remember pulling up one day and I was like, man, I wish my truck was jacked up. And I wish I you know, had these rims. And I, I, I wish she'd see me in a certain way and blah, blah, blah. And I remember three or four times going through that, that line thinking that. And I went, why in the hell do I think that? It doesn't matter what she thinks. I, She may means nothing to me. I, I don't even know why. Why am I thinking that way? And then once I kind of broke away from that and said, dude, just focus on, you know, your rules, your goals. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. Focus on the cause. The money will take care of itself. Your peace will become, you'll become, you'll have more peace in your own life and your own mind and you better work without all that head trash. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just beautiful what you said. And it's clear that you are super ultra successful because of just, just the words you're using. Just most people don't use them. And, And it's, it's very, very refreshing. Um, one of the other questions I had, so I, I have this friend of mine. He, he makes dog beds, Corey. and he, I've known this dude since I was a kid. He's actually in the same business park that I'm in now, which is kind of cool. But um, I was talking to him one day because I love talking to people like you and him. And, you know, very successful people. People have done very well for themselves, and I try to surround myself with these folks. But this guy invented a dog bed, and, well, he, he, he first was buying a dog bed from the U.K., and it was round. And it's basically like a little trampoline, and he, and people buy them and put them in kennels. Today, he he was driving down this one one road that I used to kind of live near, and he decided to make this round dog bed square so it fit in the corners like kennels, and that was brilliant. Yeah. And and it makes worked. It, it makes sense. a lot of sense yeah. now, but like then that that wasn't a thing. And he sat down and figured out how to make extrusions and how to tuck the the fabric in so dogs couldn't chew on it. He did a really masterful job. Now this guy sells like forty million dollars a year worth of these dog beds. Of dog beds. You'd never believe it. But he told me one day, he goes, I walked into Giant Food one day and he said, I remember feeling like I made it because I could go grocery shopping and it didn't matter what anything cost. I just went and got what I wanted. Did you ever have one of those moments where you ever felt like you made it?
2: Oh, good question. I mean, yeah, I had a lot of them along the way. And, um, you know, and, I think, God, that's a good one. That's a tough one. You know, I had a lot of those moments along the way that we thought that I thought I made it, but I don't know that I knew what made it really meant because, you know, I thought I made it maybe business-wise or or, or financially, but I still wasn't being the best version of me I could be, you know, in my younger years, I was drinking and I, I wasn't a great husband and, and I was solely focused on business. And so I thought that I made it when we had a bunch of trucks and a bunch of employees and I thought I made it right. And, and I, and what I learned though, that I wasn't a very good, I wasn't being the best version of myself. I wasn't, you know, I got divorced. I wasn't a great husband. I was out doing things you're not supposed to do. I wasn't being a great dad. And, and so, you know, along the way, my definition of made it has changed so many times. And, you know, financially I've been in a pretty good spot for quite a long time, but, you know, as the company did better and better, we were able to to take care of, you know, better care of ourselves and pay ourselves a little bit better and have some of the perks that come along with that. But, you know, my definition of made it back then, you know, in my 20s is so much different today. You know, today making it is, you know, spending time with my family and taking my son racing and and being the best version I I can be of myself and, and being a good husband, a faithful husband, You know, again, I don't drink alcohol. I'm focused on fellowship with men. I I try to really help other people that are struggling with alcohol or depression, as you've mentioned, and and be a resource for people and be an example. Um, And so along the way, there's been so many moments where I thought I made it. And, you know, I just didn't know what that really looked like. I thought, you know, you mentioned like that girl, you know, I wanted everybody to think I was successful. Um, And the truth is, nobody really is keeping my score. The only only person keeping score is me. Mm-hmm. Nobody, everybody's so busy with their own lives and their own bills and children and their own struggles that I thought everybody was paying attention to Corey Ballard. And the truth is they're not. Um, nobody was keeping my score. I was keeping score. And, and when I quit focusing on everybody else, like you had mentioned, you know, I was so worried. Like, Oh my God, you see so-and-so got two new trucks and I want one of those and I need more of those. And, and, you know, my measuring stick was just so goofy for so long. Um, and it it took, it just took me really getting honest with myself and, and, um, surrounding myself with better people. I was hanging with people that were extremely successful on paper, but living pretty unhappy lives. They weren't great husbands. They weren't great fathers. They had money and super cool trucks and airplanes and all the shit that I thought I wanted the big fancy house. But if I really looked at their relationships and the type of person they were, um, my moral compass was off. They weren't really good people. They weren't great people. Um, And I thought I wanted what they had. I remember this mentor I had, I'd go fishing with him. uh, Well, we didn't fish. We run around on his boat and drink beer and smoke cigars. And (laughs) he, he was married and had a girlfriend. I thought it was so cool that he had a wife and a girlfriend. That's how fucked up I was. I thought that was so cool that he had a beautiful wife and family and a girlfriend that's how screwed up I was because that was the picture in my head of success. Right. And I look back now and I'm like, what was wrong with me? I thought that was cool. I was like, man, that's so cool. And he's living the life, man. He's got it. He made it. Now today, if somebody tells me they got a wife and a girlfriend, I'll punch him in the face. I'm like, dude, if you don't, if you don't want to be faithful to your wife, just, just get divorced, man. And that's not fair. It's not fair to your kids. It's not fair to your wife. Like I don't, I don't look up to you actually. I think it's chicken shit. And so, but back then I would have told you that was pretty cool, you know, or, you know, and, and so, you know, I don't know if that even answers your question. I just know that I've had so many ups and downs through the through the course of my career that um, moments we thought we made it. And then luckily I've been humbled enough where, you know, I mentioned, you know, we hit the $10 million market perfect cut. You know, we, we didn't make any money that year. And then we almost filed bankruptcy. We had a bunch of clients. During the recession, not pay us, so we had about two million dollars we didn't collect over an eighteen month period. All these big builders we were doing all this work for—they all filed bankruptcy. We didn't have had this great looking business on the outside, and we had no cash. And I remember sitting in the bankruptcy attorney's office, and I thought to myself, "How, how the fuck did I get here? Like they're telling me, like we'll keep your business open. You're going to work for the bank, and you're going to here's going to be your salary." And I'm thinking, "Oh my god!" And then, but you know what? Here's how screwed up I was, guys. All I thought about is what's everybody going to think? They're going to think I'd failed. I wasn't thinking about my family. I was so, all I was worried about was what, what is everybody else going to think? That Corey didn't make it. He failed. Totally screwed up. I mean, and, and we didn't. We walked out of there and I said, guys, we're not filing bankruptcy. Let's, let's, let's have an auction. Let's sell the equipment we're not using. Let's figure out how we can run this thing lean and mean. Let's get back to business. Let's, no way. No way I'm working for the bank. We got this. Let's let's buckle down. Let's reduce our salaries. Let's sell some equipment we don't need. We sold one of the facilities we weren't using. Let's 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 refocus. And that was one of the best lessons that that I learned. And so sometimes getting your ass kicked is the best thing that a guy like me needs. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, <laughs> I've done, I've literally
0: sat in bankruptcy attorney's office as well at here at Dawson Manufacturing early on. Um, not not for the sense of like I messed up, but like timing. Uh, was horrible. Vendors fell on their face, lost entire sell season, and what all that taught me was how to lo- how to operate as thin as possible, not worry about all the noise, and it's all gonna. I always tell Kyle around here and, and everybody else, everybody has their position, everybody does their thing, but the mentality I have is no nothing gets by Nick, zero. If it if it happens, I try to let everybody do their thing and get everything done, and then once it gets to me, the bullshit stops with me. And I'll step in and I'll handle right. it. And, and you seem like you're exactly the exact same way. And it's, it's incredible to hear, you know, your, your story and your mentality and, and how you attack things. And, you know, it just, to me, it's, it's incredible. Like it must be just years of, uh, of fighting and, dr- and trying to drive through all the pain that must, you know, you said it very, it was one of my favorite things you've said so far, and you said it was a first word out of your mouth. You know, one of the things that drives you is fear. And I say that all the time, and people argue with me constantly, and they're like, fear's a bad thing. No, fear keeps you honest, and that is yeah. a, that to me is is one of the biggest driving forces in the world is fear because, like, we don't go out there and, and steal stuff because we're scared to get arrested. You know what I mean? It's as simple as that. Um, so, okay, I I wanted to be careful with this one because I know as soon as I crack this one open, it's going to be a, a, a little while because I love racing. But the racing bug – where did that come from for you? For me, you know, I was in third grade and my, my father was like, Hey, we should get you into racing. We went to like local BS rental go-kart track. It was, you know, dumb. It's still open to this day. And it's, it's a junk go. It's not, it's just a rental go-kart track. You bump against the walls. It's not real. Like what you and I do. Um, and, and this kid was in school. His name was Willie. He had a white shirt on with red, um, lettering on it. They had a basic go-kart. And I was like, what, what's up with the go-kart shirt? And he's like, Oh, my dad just bought this go-kart track down in Northern Virginia. Um, I was like, hey, can I get your dad's number? I'll give it to my dad. We can hook up and maybe come down there and check it out. We checked it out, bought a go-kart, and the rest was history, and I ended up becoming, you know, five-time champions, one of the best drivers through the mid-2000s, had, you know, offers from Roush and Penske and all this until the economy crashed, and then I lost everything and went to work, you know, really hard on my landscape company, which is why I started my landscape company, was to fund the racing. So that's my story of how I got started. You know, where did your racing bug come from?
2: Yeah, I mean – so from a pretty you know young age, you know we, my dad bought me a motorcycle and I loved that. And then we bought a three wheelers and we were kind of racing three wheelers and driving them around. And and a couple of buddies were racing go karts at this local district track. And you know I think I was eleven and my dad put me in a go kart and we got our asses kicked for the first year. You know just like always, just got my butt kicked. And and um, I thought I was good and I wasn't. And uh, you know and then as we got better and better, you know and started winning and, and won some national championships and had some fun. You know, it was just something that, you know, first off, I got to spend time with my dad and, and that was so cool. And, and it taught me a lot, you know, my dad's crazy competitive. And when I would lose, he wouldn't talk to me. And maybe that's not great parenting, but it made me really, really competitive, maybe to a fault at times. Um, Cause I hate losing and I wish I was a little bit better of a loser at times. I wish I could do it a little more humbly and I'm, I'm getting better at it. But uh, you know, I love the competition. I love that again you have to drive the car, but to win the race, it's the work that's done throughout the week. Just like in business or whatever, like you just like football, right? They play the game on Sunday, but why do you think that they're why do they practice all week? These guys are professionals. They've been playing football since they were little kids and they still have to practice all week to play the game Sunday. You know, why did Michael Jordan stay after and Kobe Bryant stay after and shoot free throws after practice? You don't think they know how to shoot free throws? It's shot millions of them, but I love that the work that you put in off the track would result in hopefully better results on the track. And so I love that, again, putting the work in would create better results, and it's kind of the same with business, right? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, if you just cut grass or put trees in the ground or push snow or whatever it is you do, it's all the other work you do that allows you to perform that task at a much greater level and run a successful business or a successful race team or put wins in the category when you go, you know, you show up on a Friday night to a track. And, and so I love the competitive nature of racing, and I love what it did for my relationship with my dad and I, and we just spent so much time together. And, and he taught me a lot about racing and, and, and winning. And, and then when you lose, man, losing, and then sometimes the best thing that can happen to you is you get beat and you start to figure out, okay, how can we be better? And, and same in business, man, when you lose a client or you get beat or you have a bad month, you go back to the drawing board how do we get better and um and we wanted to race against the best people in the country we could have won all the races at the local little track i wanted to race against the best people in the country because i wanted to know where we stood and that's the same with business i want to compete against high quality companies because i want to see if we can i mean what what are we what level are we at and and so for many many years we didn't you know we got out of race and we raced for a long time and i got out we just didn't have a lot of money and And uh, I wanted to get in fancy truck when I turned 16 and chase girls and do the stuff that I thought was important. And, and then, you know, many, many years later, I also raced motocross and then did a lot of other stuff. And we got back into racing now and we've been in back in racing now about five years and my son's racing. And, um, you know, uh, his first year he was awful. And, uh, you know, I, I remember, um, I just posted this on Facebook last week, the week before, but you know, I was going to, I just said, Hey man, it's not for him. I was done. I'm like, you know what? We tried. He's, he's not good. It's not for him. I'm not mad. It's just not his thing. No big deal. It's just not his thing. And a guy said, Corey, that's bullshit. Don't give up on him. Put his ass in the seat and just keep trying. And, and we did. And, and Nick, you came out and saw his race, but you know, my son now this year has won 50 races. He's won eight national championships. Um, It's changed. Our relationship as a family, it's changed my relationship with my son. I didn't know how to connect with him. He was really different. He wanted to play Legos and puzzles, and I don't know how to do that shit. I don't enjoy it. I'm like, I'm not going to sit on the floor with you, buddy, and build a spaceship out of Legos, man. It's just not my thing. Sorry. <laughs> and so, I, and I, and here's the crazy thing. I was almost okay with not having a great relationship with my son. I don't know why. It's so it's painful for me to say that, but I was almost okay with just, like not having a great relationship not having the relationship that my dad and i have but with my son and and when we got into racing it changed his personality it changed our family dynamics um this kid has got friends at all the tracks all the kids look up to him i've met great friends and we've made great friends he's made great friends um and sure we want to win races right but man it's so it's such a cool thing to be a part of this race community and um and Build character, and, and I think where, wherever this racing takes him, I know he's going to be better for it. Whether it's in his career, whether he stays in racing, whether he gets some opportunities that maybe you know, he wants to be a professional race car driver, right? Who doesn't, you know? And, right. and um, maybe he will, maybe he won't. I don't know. I'm going to give him every opportunity that I can to, to, to live his dream, fulfill his dream. But um, I love racing, you know, I love the piece of you know, when you're on the track. But I think back to what I said, I love the that. The work that we do all week is what gives us those results on Friday and Saturday, and that's the piece that I love. I love trying to think strategically. How can we be better every single week? We just won Saturday night, and and my dad and I are already talking about how can we be better. We ran a ten three lap time. I'm like, we got to get to ten one. What can we do? Like, I'm not okay with ten three lap times, even though we won by a half lap. How do we get to ten one? You know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and in, and in business, that's the same thing. We get our financials. Man, we had a great month. How can we move that net margin one point? How can we be a little bit better this month? How can we just? How can we be a little bit better? Yeah, and
0: that's that's something we preach around here. Is we we are always talking, and it's hard. This is a very hard to do, and, and actually believe in it. But one percent better every day, right? Which like, after this podcast, just to a little push-ups. bit. Well, yeah, well, yeah. So as soon as this podcast is over, Kyle and I are getting get on the floor. We've been doing Corey, we've been doing push-ups on the podcast, literally doing it. Nice. Um, just to try to set the example, you know, of of how to just be a little better each day. And and a lot you had talked about earlier of you know your fitness journey and and it just becoming who you are right it, it's just part of what you do it's not a diet it's not um I'm gonna do this for a little while it's just nope this is just who I am this is what I do I don't care what anybody thinks I'm just gonna keep on rolling and that that can that bleeds over into everything in your life right like the reason you're yep. super successful is because you you just every day you grinded it out just a little bit more a little bit more and something I always talk about and I, I don't know where I pick this up I don't I've never really heard anybody talk about it but Corey you're a high performer, right? That, But to you, you're just like, that's just my normal, right? And I talk about this all the time. If you just level up and level up and level up a little bit a day, every day, it just becomes your new normal. And before you know it, you look back 10 years and you're like, holy crap, you know, look at all these people keep coming to me, asking me advice or whatever. And, you know, to you and me both, I believe we're both just going, this is just what we do every day. I I don't know. It's not that difficult. Well, it's
2: because we we're so conditioned to it, right? Yeah. So you got to put the work in, consistency, you know, over and over and over, and then it's amazing the years and days and months fly by, and all of a sudden you're like, "We made it!" You know, how did we get, you know, how did we get there? And, and again, it's the work that you do. And I hate when people make excuses. You know, I get up every day at four o'clock in the morning. Um, it's just what I do. And people are like, "I don't have time to work out," or "I don't have time." Yes, you do. What is? What are your priorities? What are you committed to? And what are you committed to long term? I don't like excuses. I'm not good with excuses. Um, if it's important to you, you'll find a way. And it doesn't doesn't mean you have to go to the gym. It doesn't mean you got to be a bodybuilder. What? But I believe that physically, if you take care of your body and mind, that you'll be a better leader. You'll be a better, um, you know, influence on the people around you, and, and you can lead by example. And you've you, you got to put the work in, even on the days where you just don't want to. I can tell you guys, there's so many days I'm like, I just don't want to go to the gym today. But what do I do? I go to the goddamn gym, I put the work in and I leave there every time. Not one time have I left there regretting that I showed up. I don't leave there and go, Oh god. I leave there every time like, man, I'm glad I pushed through that one today. Oh at work. At at work, you know, people procrastinate. I don't I do the stuff every day that I committed to. And if I tell my team I'm gonna do something, I do it. I'm I'm a man, I I pre I follow if I tell you I'm gonna do something, I do it. I expect that from other people. Um, if I tell you we're gonna have a conversation, we're gonna meet on something, we meet on it. It doesn't mean I'm gonna give you the answer maybe that you want. But if I tell you that we're gonna you know, we're gonna meet tomorrow, we're gonna talk about your pay raise, we're gonna talk about your performance, we're gonna I don't blow it off. I if I say we're gonna do something, we do it and I'm I really try to work extremely hard on on follow through and and my word is my word is gold, man. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. No, 100%. I think one of the things that you've keyed on that that I
0: scream constantly is moral compass. You said it once, and I pointed at Kyle, and he shook his head yes. I said that. That is what I believe a lot of people are missing, and one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to help people define their own moral compass. It's going to look a little different for everybody. I'm not telling you you know, what your moral compass should look like. Yeah, you have to determine you. Right, and and how you figure out what that moral compass looks like will will determine the results you get. Because I always – I tell everybody, I'm like, look, no matter what happens to you, it's your fault. Whether it's good or bad, you are the yep. – the the, the you, all your decision-making is going to create who you really are because we're really – we're all cre- – we're all – playing this this character character that we we believe in, right? Like Corey believes in racing, Corey believes in business and no excuses. And that's the life you live in. That's the character you've built and that is Corey Ballard, right? And I believe Nick Carlson is exactly the same, pretty close to the same damn mold, just on a different timeline, a little different area, a little different stepping stone. But, you know, some of us just don't have the same, you know, rules and, and boundaries that that you and I may have but that's okay but at least you have if you can just put together a moral compass and and stick to that that is going to keep you grounded it's going to keep you moving in the direction that you need and want to go in and I think that's that's key and I think a lot of people miss out on they just kind of react to life they let kind of let life happen to them and I think that they need to just stop decide what they want out of it and then go after those things and I think they're going to be a lot happier and and, and you know they they'll persevere over time.
2: Yeah, well, I think people. A lot of people play the victim too, and you just can't play the victim, you know. And it must be. I get this all the time. Must be nice. Must be nice. Must be nice. Why is it nice? Because I put the work in, and and what are you going to do to better your life? And if you know, and just make small goals, you know, by twenty twenty four. You know, I don't like this New Year's resolution. Ever. like, I'm what's your New Year's resolution? Nothing, because I I live. I make goals all the time. And if you're old school like me, I write them down on paper. Like, here's where we are today. Here's where I want to be here's the obstacles that are in my way. What do we need to do? Um, Who can help me get there? Um, And just figure out what do you want to be? What's your why? I mean, people talk about what's your why, what do you want to contribute and uh, stop making excuses, start taking action. Don't, I, I just, I don't like the victim mentality and I know not everybody has the same toolbox of skills and leadership and maybe not the same financial situations to make things happen. But I believe that we can all, you know, in America, man, you can make it if you want to make it. And it's not just put in hard work, right? Because people that pour concrete are rippers. They, they work hard. It doesn't mean they're going to make it. You got to work hard and smart. Um, but you got to give yourself opportunities as well. And so I just, I don't like, I get a lot of, must be nice. I'm sure you hear it all the time. They must be nice. Like, I must be nice, what fucker? Like, why don't right. you wake up at four in the morning and meet me at the office at five? Let's do that. Let's do that for a year straight. If you do that for a year straight and your business doesn't do better than what it's doing now, then go back to your old way. And I tell people that all the time, like, you know, when I was doing some consulting and I had to get rid of some people because I'm like, why are you paying me to help you? But you don't want to do what I'm telling you. Like, I don't get it. Well, you don't understand. I do understand, man. I've been there, but just try it my way for six months. If your company doesn't run better, then, hey man, I then you don't, I'll give you your money back. I don't, I don't care. I mean, I'm trying to help you level up as a leader. And, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, you just, there's so many excuses and I don't like that victim mentality. And, um, and a lot of people have it. They just believe that, you know, they're never going to make it. And if they don't believe in themselves, there's no way you're going to get, there's no way you're going to get a team of people to believe in you. If you don't believe. Oh,
0: a hundred percent. Anybody that's listening to this, <laughs> y'all better pay attention to Corey. Cause as far as I'm concerned, I've talked to, listen, I, I have sat down and had, drinks and had huge business conversations with billion dollar companies not one several in my lifetime that's one of the reasons I believe I have some decent credentials is because I've built things I, I built Corey I don't know how long it took you but in now that I'm on my second business and sold the first one not not closed it sold it that's a huge feat in its on you know in it's in its own infancy and like you talked about earlier um, you know I didn't sell a company called Nick's long care it was called laser cut it wasn't built around me it was built around the systems and, and the, the the book of data That I was able to put together, and I think a lot of people misconstrued that. But, um, you know, going back to to your credentials and 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 you know, all these people that I've sat down with, the reason that you've made it where you are is because your attitude and your your no bullshit approach, and that's what it takes to grow companies. And I was getting ready to say, you know, I was able to grow Dawson Manufacturing into an eight figure business in four and a half years. That is major. Like, to me, I don't know about you, Corey, but I think that's major growth really fast, and that was through a freaking world pandemic. That's that's hard right. to do, and that comes from, like, I, I, Corey, I don't know what you think. I asked Brian Fullerton uh, on, a, on a podcast. I said, what do you think about passion versus obsess- obsession? Because my opinion, I always put this out there first because I, I like to mess with people. I think passion's for pussies because passion, passion to me fade away it's an obsession yeah it's part of the honeymoon phase yes versus We're, the obsession yep. that lasts for a lifetime yeah passion gets you started obsession is what takes you the distance yeah
2: what do you think right yeah 100 percent. i mean you know again it's what are you willing to do for a long time and i see it all the time i see you know you guys see companies come and go all the time right and and when it gets hard they they want to quit you know i a guy that owns this nice heating and cooling company, big heating and cooling company said to Matt, and then Matt told me, I love this. He said, you know, Matt asked him, what's the difference between people that become, you know, that are successful not? and not. he said, who can endure the most pain? And I really like that. Cause like owning a business is painful, man. You got to make tough decisions. You got to fire people. You got to hire people. You got to make tough financial decisions and who can endure the most pain. And, and Mike Andes, I love when he says higher, you know, lower highs, higher lows. And, you know, so, you kind of have to figure out as a business leader, um, you know, when things are really good, you you can't just get on top of the world. We made it when things are really low. You're not like, Holy shit, we're closing down. Everybody's losing their job. We got to shut this thing down. We're filing bankruptcy and trying to figure out where that middle ground is. And, you know, it's just, it's trying to figure out, you know, how to, you know, stay level and and lead people. And, um, yeah, I I don't know. Um, I got kind of sidetracked there when I was starting to think about my, you know, but you've got, you know, what are you willing to do for a long amount of time and running a business, every business, I get people all the time. I mean, if I owned this company, I wouldn't even be here. I'd be on the beach drinking beer. And I go, it doesn't, I don't know anybody successful, very few that run a business, especially like ours in the service industry or the product business that just aren't there. I mean, you know, maybe at some point you can start to take longer vacations and you can delegate, continue to mull and you don't have to be there 70 hours a week, certainly. And that's ultimately your goal. But, I'm not drinking beer on the beach guys. Like my team relies on me to lead them. And I made, I made a promise to them that we're going to get to this level. And I'm committed, (coughs) I'm committed to their growth. Like, I want to see my people grow. I want to pay them more. I want them to buy new houses and I want them to have, you know, I I tell the story all the time. Like I went to a perfect cuts Christmas deal and this guy who was a convicted felon and we hired who I love came up to me. He's like, Corey, I just bought my first house. I've never thought I'd be a homeowner. He hugged me and he started crying. I'm like, that's where it's at, boys. Like, that's where it's at. That dude 100%. just bought his first house. He was a convicted felon. We gave him an opportunity. That guy would lick the shop floor if I asked him to. He just asked me what corner to start in. <laughs> I said, Bobby, I need you to lick that. It, you know, and, and, But, man, when you, when you love on your people and you give them opportunity and you take care of them, and, man, we are loving on our people now more than ever. I hate when people say my people are just tools in my company. That's bullshit. I fucking hate that. That's bullshit. Man, my people are everything to us. And, you know, if you just think that they're tools to get the job done, man, I I wish you all the best, but it's going to be a tough road. Well, and and something I picked up on, and I've talked about this in the podcast,
0: you know, you're not calling them employees. You're calling them people. You know, it's your team. It's your crew. I think using those, like to me, I don't like using the term employees because I feel like that's kind of degrading and, and it puts a number on them. And I think that's terrible. I think that, you know, if you treat your people right, that will ooze out into the field through your products, you know, or your services or and, and out into your customer base. And then that will return tenfold.
2: Yeah. Period. Yeah, absolutely. So, they're team members, they're team members. We're in this together. We're a team. Yep. I need them. You know, they, I mean, I, you know, I need those people. And, and they, they, you know, it, they are part of something bigger. And I want them to go home and be like, Every even from the orientation we do at Perfect Cut, we make them watch this video and we talk about the history of the company and who we are and what we believe in and our core values. I want them to go home to their wives, to their significant other, to their parents, and be like, "I don't know what this job looks like, but this company's crazy passionate. This company is crazy about quality and their people. This company's different. Yeah, like they got something special going on. Yep. When I put that shirt on, yep. I, it's something different. Yep, undeniable." Yeah,
1: I like what you yeah, said absolutely. earlier is like you're the way you're leading is leading by example. So you're you're showing the guys what the vision is, you know, and I I kind of agree with you when you say, uh if I was in this position or if I had this company, I would be on a beach, drink a beer somewhere. But the problem is if you lead by that example, your guys are gonna to want to do the same thing. So they're gonna to want to take the vacations, they're gonna to want to take off, and then you're not being productive. So if you're in the field and trenches with them, they're going to want to do the same thing. You know, it's around here with Nick yeah, showing you up, at, up the gas. Yep. at eight every day, you know, I'm here at seven every day and there's sometimes I'm here a little bit earlier so I can get things cleaned up. You know, it's, it's not the matter of, I, I want to, you know, take over. It's that I just, I want to help show the example of, you know, Nick shows the example of where the company's going. I want to help lead it there. You know, so if you can have right. more guys that can do the same thing as what I'm trying to show is, is like, Let's get to that next step. Let's get to that next level. If you have more guys like that, it's going to take that company tenfold.
0: How many many times have I not been here, I've been dicking off this past? Yeah, like since you've known me here. Yeah, I haven't seen any. It's it's head down, like stand the fuck back. I'm going to run everybody over that gets in my way to achieve what we're trying to achieve. Yeah it Corey saw me get a little bit wild one day in this this mastermind group like a year ago <laughs> and i was like this kid asked some question and i was like dude you're so far gone if you need something to incentivize you get up and leave this room right now yeah <laughs> sorry Corey. i kind of i kind of got a little crazy when that kid
2: asked me that I very That's much right. irritated me <laughs> no i get it i get it 100 you know and you got to lead by example and people got to believe in you and You know, if you don't believe in it, man, it's going to be tough to get a team of people in and you got to let people, you got to empower people. One of the things I think I've done really well is I empower people and I let them make decisions. And, um, I, because if if every time somebody makes a decision and you chop it down every single time, Nope, Nope, Nope. Eventually they just become robots. And they're like, you know what? They don't really care about my opinion anyways. I'm just here for a paycheck. And, and so I empower my people. I let them make decisions. Um, I think we pay our people more than, I mean, I overpay my people and, and because I want them to love what they do here, I want them to not even think about looking for another job. Whether, Because compensation, we all know, is important, but it's not the reason why people stay at companies. It's usually fifth or sixth or sometimes seventh in the top ten reasons people work somewhere. They want to be a part of something special. They want to feel like they're heard and valued. You know, they want to know what's going on. They want to feel like there's opportunity. There's so many things. Um, and, you know, a lot of small business owners just, they don't, communicate well with their people they're afraid to have those tough conversations man those tough conversations are not fun but man you gotta have them with people and it, they want to know where they're at nobody I believe no one should ever be fired from your company that doesn't know what's coming because yeah. you should have had two or three good conversations with them saying listen Joe we love you but you're not performing at the level that we expected and here's some things here's some tangible reasons here's some tangible examples here's some things that we need you to do better and we're going to talk about this 30 days from now right we both agree and we haven't signed it we agree that to get you know you want to raise right here's the things i need you to be better at and we'll help you get there and we'll help you level up but and then 30 days later like hey bud we talked about these things right you said you were going to do x y and z and you haven't done them Absolutely. why yep how hey. can i help you how can i help you Absolutely. And if I can't help you, maybe, this isn't, if this, maybe this, this isn't the place for you because I want the best for you. I, I know that we're not an end game for everybody. I know not everybody's going to work for us forever, but I want them to leave a better person than when they started. And at Perfect Cut, we do financial responsibility classes and we pay people to quit smoking and we give them, we give them a discount on gym memberships. And we're trying to make our people the best version of themselves. And, and even if that means they leave, we get them CDLs and they leave, that's okay. I want them to lead better than when they started. And my job is to, you know, is to empower people and hopefully, hopefully they stay right. But you're going to lose some people and that's okay. Um, But your top performers will stay with you if you can give them a clear vision.
0: Yeah. And you know what else? I mean, really at the end of the day, I think Corey, what you're doing, and I think I try to do the same thing is you can sleep better at night knowing you're doing the right thing. And really that to me is huge. Like it's, As much as we grind and as much as we work and as as much as we worry, right? Because I worry, oh my gosh, I worry way too much. Um, It's really nice to know that I've put in every effort I can that day and I put my head down and I go, I did everybody I could right. And that's that's all I can that's all I can do.
1: Yeah, the more you give, the yep. more you get, and it's not even that you're getting and you're doing to get. It's just that it is a multiplier effect. Mm-hmm. The more you give, so mm-hmm. if you're able to give to your people, yeah. it's gonna ten x itself. The more you give to them, because they're going to want to give back.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could go on. We can go on and on on the subject. Anyway, um, Corey, I don't want to take up any more of your time, dude. It's been a freaking hour, and I can't believe that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm- that went bad. It went really freaking quick, but it was an absolute freaking pleasure. I, I can't tell you how much. Very it, much so. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaving this hour a much better person, and I, I mean that that's not bullshit. Like a lot of these podcasts I get on, people blow a lot of sunshine up my ass or mm-hmm. something, and it really annoys me, but truly, just know that we really appreciate you. Um, I appreciate our business partnership that we have together. Um, I want everybody to know that I, I appreciate you. I think you've done amazing work for yourself, the industry, your family, your leadership, um, the words that you've used on this podcast, and I'm sure on many others that I probably have never even heard, um, not that I'm not paying attention. It's got a lot going on. Um, but thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything you've done and, and the man that you are. And, um, it's, it's been a wonderful hour.
1: Yeah. And I'd have to say for myself, huh. I, I can leave this podcast with, um, not saying I'd never had respect. It's more or less. I have a gained respect for you is that the more I listen and the more we talk, the, the more I, I grow to understand you as a person and your moral compass, I have a lot more respect for you after, you know, taking care of this podcast. I really enjoyed it.
2: Well, I appreciate that guys. And yeah, we just try to do, I try to do the best I can every day. I appreciate you saying that Nick and and that's when I lay my head down at at night, I I just, I want to know that, you know, I do my prayers and I I thank, you know, thank God for a a good day and I wake up and you know, how can I be of service today to my team and, and to the people around me and, and just try to continue to to be the best version of me as i can and and it's taken a long time to get there and i'm i'm still I'm still a work in progress like all of us are and you know i'm gonna continue to try to be the best you know father husband leader that I can be and um you know i, I enjoy i enjoy what we do and that's the key man i you know if you're if you're praying for fridays and hating mondays um you really gotta you really gotta dig in and figure out what what your why is and and why you do what you do because man um, that's no way to live, man. It, we get one opportunity at this deal, and um, and I, I hope everybody finds what they're what they're passionate about, and and, and can be committed to it, and, and make a difference, and and ultimately just be happy. And that's that's what I strive for. Absolutely. Well, Brother Man,
0: thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Um, I I, I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. I can't wait to to hook back up with you. Maybe at the next LAL show or something, maybe we can uh, one-on-one go-kart race with each other, even though you have a massive advantage in a go-kart because I'm a fat ass.
2: I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little washed up, man. Like I'm washed up in the car. I'll put my son out there maybe. He, see, that little kid, he, he might be better than all of us.
0: He'll, I don't know. he'll def- definitely spank my ass, <laughs> yeah. that's for sure. I, I can assure you of that. It was great to be with you guys out in <laughs> Iowa, and he, he raced his tail off. Anyway, guys, that is another episode of Life in the Fast Lane. We hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for joining us. Don't forget to uh, check out Corey on all his different social media platforms. Corey, where can everyone find you?
2: Uh, pretty easy, just uh, you know, Ballard products on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we have a YouTube channel as well. And, um, you know, if you want to check out Perfect Cut, you know, again, I don't own it, but it's just perfectcut.com, which is P E R F I C U T dot com. Um, we've got a lot of stuff on there that I think is pretty inspiring for guys that they're looking at, uh, you know, maybe how to make their website even better. I think we've got a great website there. And if you've got any questions, guys, I help people all the time, I'm willing to answer questions, I don't do any consulting, but. My direct email is Cory K-O-R-Y, at Ballard-Inc.com. Shoot me a question. I'm struggling with this. I don't know how to do this. I'm worried about growth. I will do my best. I try to get back to every single person. Um, and then if you want to check out another podcast, we have The Green Grind that drops every Tuesday. And and LeRoy Mains and I try to do a really good job on there, getting good guests and hopefully trying to inspire guys and tell some really good stories there. So I appreciate you guys having me on. And, um, you know, keep uh, keep doing what you're doing. I love the innovation because you're in a business that, you know, I don't know. In the beginning, that would have been a tough one. You're trying to, you know, you, you're in a new category. And that, to me, that you worked through that. Um, and you guys are continuing to do some really great stuff. And, and uh, it inspires me as well. So uh, keep doing
0: what you're doing. Thanks, brother, man. Well, you have an awesome, awesome day. It's been a pleasure. And we'll catch you uh, all you guys on the next Life in the Fast Lane podcast. Have an awesome day. And we'll catch you later. See you, bye. Love you all, bye.